Thank you very much. What a privilege to be with you. And um, after that singing, I would quite like to take you all home with me. But uh, okay. Okay, so uh, a few years ago, I realized, it it just sort of occurred to me that uh, I have a a strong sense of a lived relationship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. I just have that said, uh, you know, I, I bring my, uh, 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 my, my needs to God in prayer. I have a sense that he is, is good caring for my life, ordering my life, good and bad, uh, for my good, uh, that I might uh, know him more. I have a, a, a really strong sense of, you know, the good that I do, I do in the power of the Spirit. I'm certainly not doing it in my own strength. So I have that sense of the Spirit, uh, really of that kind of interaction the to and fro, the give and take of a, of a relationship. And I realized that for me, though, the Lord Jesus Christ felt rather dif- distant. Uh, it's not that I, I mean, I love him, and I'm, I'm unbelievably grateful for all that he's done for me, dying on the cross to save me from my sins, rising again in victory. I rejoice in that. But that was a long time ago. And now he's ascended into heaven, and that's a long way away. A long time ago, and a long way away. And I just realized that my relationship with the Lord Jesus just felt a bit distant. And so that got me thinking, and I started asking everybody. I I became the the bore at um, every every meal table, saying, which member of the Trinity do you have a a greater sense of a lived relationship (laughs) Or I would ask whole groups of people, and I'd get you to do it. Anyway, I'm tempted to do it now, but we won't. Uh, but here's the thing. Afterwards, come and tell me, okay? You know, I'm the visiting speaker. It's always a bit awkward what you're going to say to him. Come and tell me which member of the Trinity you feel like you have the strongest sense of a lived relationship. And then what I wanted to do, that because my hunch is that if we want to enjoy God, if we want to live in not just a kind of theoretical relationship with God, but actually an experienced day in, day out, to and fro relationship with God, we can't think in terms of relating to God, the essence of God, the nature of God. That's just beyond our comprehension. What we do is we have a relationship with the persons of God. We have a relationship with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. So, Enjoying God is just me trying to tease out what that looks like in everyday life to have a to and fro relationship with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. What I want to do this evening is focus particularly on that issue of what does it mean to live life with the living Jesus? Uh, You know, we confess not only that he is risen, but also that he's alive. I know that's kind of the same thing, but it does make a little bit of a difference, doesn't it, to think that Jesus is alive. And he relates to us now. What does it mean for Jesus right now to be relating to me? And how might I respond to that? How can we have a a two-way relationship? And I want to focus this evening on enjoying hearing the voice of Jesus. Hearing the voice of Jesus. If you've got a Bible, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Uh, If you've not got a Bible with you, don't worry. Um, you can listen or go on your phone. I, it's all these days everyone's on their phone, aren't they? 
Uh, so the end of Luke chapter 10, verse, uh, Luke 10, 38, uh, well-known story, I think, of uh, Jesus visiting the home of Martha and Mary. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Martha has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Uh, Let me pray. Father, as we come to your word, Lord Jesus, as we come to your word, we pray that you would indeed speak to us, that we would hear your voice through the power of your spirit speaking to us, speaking to us as as a group, but also speaking to each one of us. May we be attentive to hear your voice. Uh, And would you come and speak words of grace and love to our souls. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Jesus and his disciples stop off on on the way, we're told. And they stop off at the home of these two sisters, Martha and Mary. Perhaps one of the disciples ran ahead. They had no mobile phones. There was no good ringing up saying we're on our way. Uh, But somebody ran ahead, so they got some warning, but not a lot of warning. So just imagine for a moment that a dozen or so weary men suddenly turn up on your doorstep. There's every chance that all the neighbors want to come round and meet Jesus as well. There is plenty of work to be done. Uh, In England today, we would put the kettle on and make a cup of tea. I don't know if that... Anyway... I don't know how that... I've only been in South Africa for one day, so... I've had two cups of tea, though, so maybe maybe it's not not so dissimilar. Uh, We might pop out to the local shop for supplies. Probably Martha and Mary sent out to the neighbours. In the very next chapter of Luke, Luke, uh, Jesus tells a parable which involves a man who makes a sudden... suddenly turns up, has guests, and so he goes around all the neighbours saying, can you lend me some bread? So maybe that's what Martha and Mary were doing, or at least maybe that's what Martha was doing. Martha snaps into action. She's on it. Luke tells us Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. What is is Mary doing while Martha is running around? Nothing. While Martha is busy, Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. It's not hard to imagine how the scene unfolded, is it? Martha is offering drinks, planning a meal, checking what's in the cupboard. It's not long before she's feeling overwhelmed by all the things that need to be done. Meanwhile, her sister is simply sat at the Lord's feet. And the list of tasks, the list of things that needs to be done that's in in Martha's head gets bigger and bigger. It's getting bigger faster than she can tick things off the list, you know? And so I can, you can imagine Martha kind of gesticulating to Mary. You remember Mary sat at the Lord's feet, you know, doing this kind of thing. And Mary's kind of studiously avoiding her gaze. And you, the pressure builds until it breaks. And eventually Martha's had enough. Lord, 
Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? She exclaims, tell her to help me. Everyone stops and looks at Martha. Then they look at Mary. Then they look at Jesus. It's awkward. It's an awkward moment. Now, this is what would have happened, certainly in a home in the UK. Martha, uh, Mary sorry, would have been shamed into action. Sorry, she would have said to Jesus, but I need to help my sister. And then she'd have said to Martha, sorry, I just wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. But that is not what happened. Maybe that's what Mary was kind of getting up to do. We don't know. Because the person that speaks first is Jesus. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried, upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. We expect Mary to be rebuked and Martha to be commended. But no, it's Martha who's rebuked, and it's Mary who's commended. And I have read this story with so many good evangelical Christians, and they remain resolutely sympathetic with Martha. (laughs) She did the right thing, they say. She's a model of service. And I say, no, that's not what Jesus said, but they can't quite let it go. Jesus tells Martha she's worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Now, Martha's actions are not wrong. We are called to serve one another. Later on in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus will say that we should work as servants and then say we have only done our duty. But Martha's priorities are wrong. Mary has chosen what is better, said Jesus. Perhaps the implication is that Martha has made a good choice, but Mary has made a better choice. The good has got in the way of the best, as people sometimes say today. But here's the point I want to really highlight here. Jesus wants to speak to us. Jesus wants to speak to us. He wants to communicate with us. He has things he wants to tell us. So imagine a wife who wants to spend time with her husband. And he clocks this, which is pretty good going for most husbands, but there we go. And so he offers to cook a meal for her. He spends all afternoon putting together a casserole. At least that's what he would do in the UK. What would he cook in, what would he cook in South Africa? You can... Okay. I, I look forward to eating that later. He, he puts all that effort in. He's cleaning up as he goes along. I know, extraordinary. Finally, he puts the plates on the table. But no, he's up. He wants to check on the children. Then he's into the um, kitchen to organize the dessert. Is that what his wife wants? Not quite, is it? What she wants is not a beautiful meal. What she wants is him. She wants to spend time with her husband to enjoy and develop and strengthen her relationship with him. That's what Mary wants. And that's what Jesus wants as well. Jesus wants to talk to us. He wants us to hear his voice. He wants us to stop, slow down, and listen. Because his words are life-giving words. The words I have spoken to you, he says elsewhere, they are full of the Spirit and life. 
These are the words Jesus longs to speak to his people. Words of life. Words of comfort. Words of cleansing. More than that. Jesus wants us to listen to him before he wants us to serve him. Serving Jesus is important. But hearing Jesus comes first. That's true because Jesus wants a relationship with us. He wants us to be brothers and sisters, friends, before we are slaves. He wants to love us and be loved by us. It's also true, he wants, to li- he wants us to listen before he wants us to serve, because actually service flows out of listening, or rather, service flows out of love. We don't serve Jesus so that we will be loved by Jesus. It's the other way around. We serve him because we already are loved by him. And so we need to hear his words of love. We need to hear his words of grace before we leap into action. And if we're not hearing, if we don't go on hearing words of love from the lips of Jesus, then our service will quickly feel like a burden, as it did for Martha. We will live like slaves rather than like sons and daughters. That's what happened to the elder brother in the story of the parable of the prodigal son. You remember the elder brother there? Remember what he says to his father? All these years I've been slaving for you. He felt like a slave rather than like a son. A life of service is energized and re- it goes on being re-energized by Christ's word of grace. It's very interesting. Luke places the story of Martha and Mary hot on the heels of the parable of the Good Samaritan. And at first sight, that might seem an odd choice because at first sight, it looks like they contradict one another. You know, the story of the parable of the Samaritan, two religious leaders pass by a wounded man and just ignore him. And it's the, uh, it's the despised Samaritan who actually comes to his help. And the point is that the neighbor that we are to love is anyone in need, regardless of the social barriers that might divide us. And so the parable seems to suggest that our priority should be serving people in need. Exactly what Martha is doing. And of course it's true that the parable does teach us to love across social boundaries. But it has another deeper meaning. Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan in response to an expert of the teacher, an expert in the law, who had asked him, and who is my neighbor? And Luke tells us the reason the expert in the law asked that question is he wanted to justify himself. In other words, the expert in the law wanted to define precisely what he needed to do if he was going to be right with God. So who is my neighbor? I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Tell me exactly who my neighbor is so that I can tick it off and say, oh, I've done that. That's what he wanted. And what he gets from Jesus is the parable of the Good Samaritan, which just sort of explodes, blows apart any attempt to create that attainable to-do list. He wanted to serve so that he could be justified. Jesus wants to justify us, to accept us, to welcome us, so that we might serve the other way around. Serving is good, 
But the issue is, which comes first? Serving Jesus or being served by Jesus? Giving to Jesus or receiving from Jesus? If service comes first, then we will be worried and insecure. We'll constantly be asking ourselves, have I done enough? And service will feel like a burden as it did for Martha. And listening to Jesus is not another task to complete. In addition to all the catering we're supposed to be doing. Listening is the act through which we receive Christ's words of grace to us. It's the reassurance that everything has been done. It is finished. It is finished. That's what Jesus cried from the cross, but it's also what he declares to you in the midst of your busyness, your distractedness, your worry and upset. Martha says, you are worried and upset about many things. But the work of justification, of making ourselves good enough for God, that is done. It has been done by the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was done a long, long before you ever picked up your saucepans and your cleaning cloths. You have been accepted by God. And Jesus wants to speak, and he wants to go on speaking words of grace, words of welcome, words of love. That's what Mary wants to hear. And she has chosen what is better, better than Martha, better than the expert in the law. Okay, that was then. What about now? What does that look like today? Can we still hear the voice of the Lord Jesus today? Well, let me read some verses from John chapter 10. This is Jesus speaking. Again, they'll be familiar. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 14, if you want to follow, but just let me read them. Just Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus knows his people like a shepherd knows his sheep. It's a beautiful image of his care and protection. In the, uh, even today in the Middle East, I, a few years ago, I visited Iraq, I was visiting missionaries in Iraq. And uh, on the hillsides, you could see shepherds. And now back home in Derbyshire, where I live, uh, if a shepherd wants to gather sheep, they do it with a sheepdog. So they sort of, the sheepdog sort of chases the sheep in. Okay? Uh, but in the Middle East, you, we could see it on the hillside. The shepherd would just walk ahead and the sheep would follow And that's the picture that Jesus has here of a shepherd. Here is the Lord Jesus walking ahead and his sheep know his voice. They follow behind. They trust him to lead them into good pasture, to care for them and to protect them. Now, of course, in that moment, Jesus was speaking to a group of people gathered around him, people who could literally and physically hear his voice, the sound waves from his mouth traveled through the air and hit their eardrums. But in that passage, did you notice? He speaks of other sheep, future converts, 
Gentile converts, like most of us. People who will not and cannot literally hear his voice. The sound waves from his mouth have long since fallen silent. And yet Jesus says, they too will listen to my voice. They too will listen to my voice. Jesus wanted to speak to his people when he was on earth, and that desire has not changed. He still wants to speak to his people. He still wants to speak words of grace, words of reassurance, words of comfort. He wants to talk to you today. Just just think about that for a moment. Jesus wants to speak to you, not the not. Not, I was going to say, not the person next to you, but also the person next to you, but, but you. Words of grace, words of love. How does that happen? The answer is through the Bible, by the Spirit. Through the Word, by the Spirit. Jesus is present with us now through the Holy Spirit, even though physically is in heaven. And in the same way, Jesus speaks to us now through the Spirit, even though his voice can no longer physically be heard. Now, what we encounter are the words of Scripture, whether they're read or remembered or preached or sung. But the Spirit brings those words to us as a personal message from Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not, it's not different to the, to the words on the page, as it were, We can't read in new meanings into the text of Scripture. We have to read the text carefully. We have to let the text speak for itself in its context. But as we do that, the Holy Spirit takes those words and makes them a personal message from the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus speaks to us in a dynamic and relational way through his word. What does that feel like? What does that look like? Let's see if we can ground it in our experience. I wonder if it's ever seemed to you as if the preacher was speaking a word just for you. One of the joys of being a preacher is that from time to time people come up to me after, after a meeting and they say, oh, that was, you must have been thinking of me when you were doing your preparation. And it's, it's very tempting to play with them a bit there. Normally what I say is, well, funnily enough, I don't think about you all the time. <laughs> I haven't been thinking about them all the time. But I know someone who does. The Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Spirit, has taken those words that the preacher has prepared and preached to speak to your heart. In that moment, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us, says Paul in 2 Corinthians 5. Every time the scriptures are faithfully preached, Christ himself addresses his people. Or, I wonder if you've ever found comfort in a time of need, in a kind of half-remembered verse of Scripture. Have you ever had that experience? In some moment of crisis, you've just remembered a verse, and it's just spoken to your heart. 
In that moment, the Holy Spirit has prompted you to remember those words so that Christ can speak to you. It's a great reason to memorize scripture, by the way. We're kind of creating more opportunities for Jesus to communicate with us. But you don't have to get it word perfect. It's not a memory test. This is a message from Jesus. It's a message from a, a, a husband, which is what Jesus is, to a bride, which is what we are if we're Christians. Or, have you ever read your Bible in the morning, or whenever it is that you read it day by day, and just felt the force of the words with fresh power? Perhaps in, in, in that moment, they were for you words of challenge, drawing you away from sin perhaps. Or perhaps they were words of comfort. Perhaps they just filled you with a sense of wonder at the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is Jesus speaking to you through the Holy Spirit in that moment. Not that we, I think, should measure whether Jesus is speaking to us simply by the emotional impact of the words. You know, there'll be times in a, in a married relationship when a wife will be moved by what her husband says, perhaps as he comforts her in loss or reassures her after failure. But most of the uh, communication between most couples is not the stuff of romantic fiction. It's just banal. It's more humdrum than rom-com. You know, much of our conversation is about whether we've got enough milk or what time we're going to be home. But I want to be, that communication is just as important in forming a relationship as all the lovey-dovey stuff. And in the same way, Jesus speaks to his bride day by day through the words of Scripture. And as he does that, even though it it has no sort of big emotional moment for us. He is strengthening and deepening and enjoying his relationship with us. Whatever we feel. Jesus longs to speak to us and he longs for us to listen. Martha was worried and upset about many things. Perhaps you can relate to that. You're rushing around trying to order the chaos of your world trying to put right the brokenness around you, or just trying to make everybody happy. And Jesus says, stop. Stop running around. Sit with me. And let's talk for a while. Listen to my voice. Now, here's the thing. As I was thinking about this and working on it, I, had, I just took Luke's Gospel, because that's where we started, and I looked through at all the things Jesus has to say. And, well, one of the interesting things is, having Jesus speak to you is not always a happy experience. Uh, when Jesus is speaking to the self-righteous and self-important, and it happens quite a lot in Luke's Gospel, his tone can be surprisingly sharp. In fact, shockingly abrasive at times. But here's the thing that I noticed. Jesus adopts a very different tone of voice when he's speaking to his people. In fact, to be honest, Martha is about, gets, the, um, gets the worst of all of it, really. Every other time he speaks to one of his people, battered, broken people, 
In fact, let me kind of give you a sampling of, of, of how it feels. There's a point where uh, um, Matthew quotes from Jesus, uh, from Isaiah, speaking of Jesus as the one who doesn't break the bruised reed, doesn't snuff out the smoldering wick. wick, uh, wick. Uh, and that's what you get a sense of in the way Jesus speaks to his people in the gospel. Peter sees, this is just a quick sampling, I won't, I won't do it all. Uh, Peter sees the power of Jesus and exclaims, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. And Jesus replies, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. A leper falls on his face before Jesus and begs, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus says, I am willing, be clean. Paralyzed man is lowered down from the ceiling before him, and Jesus says, what, Do you know what his first word is? Friend. And then he says, Your sins are forgiven. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. To a grieving widow, he says, Don't cry. And then he says to her dead son, young man, I say to you, get up. To a woman who had gate crashed a party to wash his feet, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And then everyone starts murmuring in their disapproval. And so Jesus says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Don't be afraid, just believe. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Ask and it will be given to you. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Don't be afraid. You are worth more than sparrows. Don't be afraid, little flock, for your father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. Let the children come to me. Well done, my good servant. And then on his resurrection, he says, peace be with you. Touch me and see. Peace be with you. Now take a moment and imagine Jesus. I'm just going to... rephrase those words and some of the ones I missed out to save time and I want you to imagine just imagine for a moment Jesus saying these words to you right now in this room perhaps you're feeling unworthy and ashamed Jesus says to you today don't let anything hold you back from coming to me For I welcome everyone. I welcome little children and I welcome you. I know you feel dirty and unworthy, but I can cleanse you. Or perhaps you're feeling the weight of guilt. Jesus says to you, my friend, your sins are forgiven. So follow me, for I have come for sinners just like you. Live at peace with God. Or perhaps this evening you are, you just feel cast down with sorrow. Jesus says to you today, I don't mind when you cry. I come to bless you when you're broken, to fill you when you're hungry, to comfort you when you weep. Dry your tears and let me lift you up. Ask and it will be given to you. Perhaps you're overwhelmed by fear. This is where I put my hand up. This is what I'm struggling with at the moment. Jesus says to me, to you, perhaps today, don't worry about your life. 
You belong to my little flock, and your father has gladly given you a place in his kingdom. I know and remember each sparrow, and you are worth more to me than many sparrows, so don't be afraid. Just believe. Perhaps you're feeling fragile. Jesus says to you, I'm amazed at your faith. You think your faith is tiny, but it gives you the power to live the life that I've called you to. Well done, good and faithful servant, and rejoice, because your name is written in heaven. Or maybe you're plagued by doubt. Jesus says to you today, peace be with you. There's no need to feel troubled or for doubts to rise in your mind. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. I have risen in victory over death. Now, don't misunderstand this exercise. The words of Jesus are not limited to the words in red in our old red-letter Bibles, if you have such a thing. All the words of Scripture are the words of Jesus because Jesus is the Word of God the one through whom God reveals himself to us. The point I want to make is Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. And the way that Jesus related to his people on earth, which we've just got a sense of how he speaks to his people on earth, the way he, relates to his, the way he related sorry, to his people when he was on earth reveals how Jesus relates to us now. He has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what we discover then is is when we look at the words of Jesus on earth, is that again and again he speaks words of grace and comfort and peace and affirmation. And now that he's in heaven, he draws on all the words of Scripture, Old and New Testament, to speak to us by the Holy Spirit. All the Bible speaks of Jesus, and Jesus speaks through all the Bible. So what is Jesus doing now? He is speaking words of love to his people. There are other things he's doing. By the book. What is he doing now? He is speaking words of love to his people through the word, by the Spirit. How should we respond? Not difficult. We listen. We listen. And we listen with our full attention. Here's one of my grumpy old man complaints with life, okay? I go to a restaurant and I look at people on the other tables, uh, families and couples, groups of friends, and they're all doing this. (laughs) What is going on with the world? They are physically present with one another but their minds are somewhere else. You ever had that experience? I probably shouldn't uh, probe too deeply on that one. Their phones kind of take them away from the person sat opposite them at the table. And today our lives are full of distractions, many of which we bring on ourselves. We walk down the street with our ear pods in, switch on the radio when we get in the car, Our phone's constantly within reach with every notification demanding a response. We're physically present in one place, but mentally we are somewhere else. Sometimes many places at once. I don't know how you do it, but anyway. We can do something similar when we are supposed to be listening to Jesus. 
We're notionally listening to his voice because we've got the Bible open in front of us. But our minds are somewhere else. We're not giving Jesus our full attention. Mary is commended because she sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. In fact, maybe we shouldn't think in terms of listening. Maybe we should think in terms of sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, by sitting, Mary involves her whole body in the act of paying attention to Jesus. She stops doing anything else. She gives her whole self to the task of listening. It's a point in Hebrews where the writer says, talking of Jesus and his message, he says, we must pay the most careful attention to what we have heard. We're not to pay attention. We're to pay careful attention. In fact, we're not to pay careful attention. We're to pay the most careful attention to the voice of Jesus. And I find it really helpful to think of reading my Bible as paying attention to Jesus. Or hearing a sermon. Paying attention to Jesus. I need to be attentive. I'm paying attention to the meaning of the words. But more than that, I am listening for the voice of my Savior. I'm listening out for what he wants to say to me in my present situation. Whether that be challenging my complacency, calming my fears, healing my wounds, comforting my sorrows. How is the Holy Spirit going to, this morning, in this moment, as the word is read or preached, how is the Holy Spirit going to make these words come alive to my heart as a message from the Lord Jesus? The point, the point is really that, that reading the Bible, hearing it preached, is a relational activity more than it is an educational activity. Does that make sense? We're not just hearing a lecture like you would in school or college. Now, there is every possibility, I hope this happens, that from time to time you learn something new. Hooray. But actually, most of the time... What happens on a Sunday morning or a Monday morning when you're on your own is you are reminded of what you already know. Isn't that right? But that is what we need. To hear again words of love from the Lord Jesus. Words of comfort, words of reassurance. And so we read the Bible to listen to Jesus. We hear the sermon to hear his voice. We come expecting to be addressed by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. We pray that we might have ears to hear and hearts open to receive his word. Let me pray, then we'll have some Q&A. Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that that would be our experience right here, right now. That as we reflect on what has been said, as we reflect on this passage of Scripture, that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit. 
words of love for those of us who are distracted by many things, particularly those of us who are trying to prove ourselves. May we hear afresh those words of grace, those words of welcome. But for all of us, Father, in whatever our situation, right now and today, tomorrow and next Sunday, we pray that we would be attentive to your voice as you speak to us through your spirit. That we might not just hear words about you, but words from you. That we wouldn't just learn more stuff, but that we would have a relationship with you in which you speak to us and which we respond by listening and loving and singing and praying and serving out of that sense of your grace, of your welcome, of your love. We ask it in your name and for your glory. Amen.